Boss Uncaged is a weekly podcast that releases the origin stories of business owners and entrepreneurs as they become uncaged trailblazers. In each episode, our hosts, S.A. Grant and guests construct narrative accounts of their collective business journeys and growth strategies. Learn key success habits and how to stay motivated through failure, all while developing a boss uncaged mindset. Break out of your cage and welcome our host, S.A. Grant. Welcome, welcome back to Boss Uncaged Podcast. On today's show, we have someone that, you know, kind of through the grapevine, we have a lot of commonalities and come to find out we have some similar friends. And today's the first time we're meeting, but I could already tell you that he's going to have some great insight, some great information for you today. So without further ado, Vinny, man, tell our audience a little bit more about yourself. Well, first off, Chanel, thanks for having me on the show. I love, I, I just love how we get out there and help this community, this community of like, people who are trying to figure out how to do business and entrepreneurship and life. And so the stuff you guys are doing, I'm extremely honored and be blessed to be part of it. And so hopefully we can offer our part and uh, give out some value, share our story. So I'm Vinny Fisher, right? I, my first and foremost accomplishment for me is that I'm a dedicated follower of Christ. I, uh, I'm working on that every day. I screw up a whole bunch, which is a part of like who I am as a person. Thankfully, I've, I've, I've been working at healing in my heart and things. I've been able to stay together with my wife of now 25 plus years of marriage and 29 years together. And we've produced four beautiful children who are all teenagers and in their versions of early adulthood. So that's my, my life life. And then I also have this privilege to be the CEO and founder uh, of Fully Accountable. And we, Deb and I also have had some good successes where we have a family back office where we're the investor, uh, an active investor in two other operating companies. And so I live the life as a business leader. So in this stage of my career, I, I lead and develop leaders of our organizations. Hmm. So look, look, let's just take it back a little bit in history. I mean, obviously, yeah. you just don't wake up on a random Tuesday and say, I'm going to be a leader. I'm going to be an executive. I'm going to yep. create all these different things to put back out of the community. So yep. where did your journey really begin? When, when was your eureka moment waking up to saying, hey, this is something that I want to do? Yeah, I think, you know, there's a song I love. It's got a little bit of a negative context to it, but there's a song by this band Casting Crown, Slow Fade. You kind of slowly fade into things, right? Well, I think you can slowly fade in good and bad directions. Well, I think over time, I, I just have, I've always been a problem solution marketer. And the companies I even have around me are problem-based solution issues, even in my own life. And so that's just the type of business person I've been. So I'm a lawyer, right? I worked at a big fancy law firm, got trained. I'm very thankful for that. Well, along the way, I, I kind of was a good business developer and I, I didn't really want to wait that whole length of a partnership track. So I noticed my propensity to be closer to risk-taking. Like I'm willing to take risks because I want reward. And so early on, I which is unusual for a lawyer, but I kind of then jumped into a law firm with some other guys, kind of had my own thing. Same thing in business. I haven't, I've always had a propensity to the front of the room because I have a higher tolerance to taking risk, meaning I'm willing to lose in return for the opportunity for reward. And that's kind of what early on I discovered about myself. So I'm always uh, innovating or trying ideas. I'm an ideator, but I don't just think about them. I try them. Like, so I'm always kind of doing, uh, and I strike out a bunch and every once in a while I've got a hold of one and hitting it over the wall. And, and along the way, I realized I don't really like keep doing the same thing. 
I'm not really a process-driven person. So I've had to surround myself with people who enjoy that part of, of the function for our organization as well. Hmm. So, I mean, I think you brought up a very solid point. I mean, to some of what you're saying is like, you're, you're hella fearless, right? But a lot of people that are on this particular journey of entrepreneurism or just small business, like you hit fear on a regular basis. Yeah. So how, how did you like, like be able to face that fear and overcome it? I mean, is that something that's just in your DNA or just something that you learned over a period of time? You know, uh, I, I don't know that we naturally have fear handling in our DNA. I think mm. I, I'm, a, I'm afraid of things. I've learned to hand over the anxieties of fear in multiple directions. Mm. First off, I had to get right with wounds in my life, in my heart, like things that I would have made some really bad agreements and paid attention to some awful language I was using about myself. Mm. And I had to kind of get right with some of that because, you know, depending on the category, we all have fears. And so if shame or doubt or, or, or how my, an unusual measurement of how others feel about me, those are other things going on that bleed into performance. Oh. And so I did deal with some of those things. And then quite honestly, for me, my faith, I'm so thankful for it. It was a gift to me, but I've been able to learn how to hand anxiety over that isn't true hmm. and deal with some of those things. So it's an everyday journey. Like I was thinking this morning, like about fear and how like under the right category, you're going to get nailed with it. So it's not whether it goes away. To me, it's how I've addressed it over time. And what am I doing to see the truth of it? What anxiety, because fear can come in both uh, uh, in multiple directions. And I've learned responding to it can look like anxiety or it can look like boredom. And depending on how I respond to both of those, um, it's, just, it's just feeling about not being valuable. And I've literally, uh, I try to fight that because I think our minds will drift into all of those things. And I just learned to take those thoughts captive and find truth in them. I, I think at this point in time, we could just end the podcast. I mean, he delivered enough nuggets in, in like the last 30 seconds. You could walk away and take that and take that to the bank. Right. But just, just pulling it back a little bit more. Yeah. And I, I want to kind of talk about your platform a little bit. So fully accountable, like what is that software designed to, to, to do and who is the target audience for it? Yeah. So we're a FinTech, but we're a fully managed service, right? So we, we provide a fully outsourced managed service of outsourced CFO and accounting mm -hmm. for e-commerce and digital companies. But what we did along the way is we discovered for me, I built this for me. We discovered that tech was missing. That was really outdated, this whole industry of accounting and finance. So we built our own tool that allows us to have a massive ability to deliver the results we needed for first one of my companies. And then we realized this was actually working. We started uh, offering it to friends. Next thing you know, we backed into having a fully managed uh, service for a fintech for accounting and finance and run by a guy who doesn't know accounting and finance. Hmm. No, I mean, that's, that's, a, that's an interesting concept. I mean, obviously, the supply and demand based upon that you had a requirement, you fulfilled the need and then taking that need and then you grew it into a platform to deliver to help other people. Right. But on that 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 particular topic, right, you will always hear about equity raises and, OK, yeah. I'm, I got a, a million dollar equity raise so I could run this company for another 12 months and get this software off the ground to sell it. Like, how did you do your equity raise? Was it self-funded angel investment? Like, how did you get the capital to even start that platform? Yeah, so everything that I've ever built mm -hmm. from sticks up that would people would call like a startup, everything I've ever built, thankfully, I have gone into it with a bootstrapped mentality. Mm -hmm. 
I build it as I go. I very much believe in the concept of a minimally viable product, right? Mm -hmm. And if you've never really understood that concept, I would read the lean startup and in there, you'll get a concept of MVP, minimum viable product. I've always believed that in things I grow. Now, I also love the idea of raising dollars or borrowing in the right context, but I usually look at those as going faster, not starting something early on. I think it's, I, for me, I've been more successful not using other people's dollars because I'm just going to burn them faster, figuring out the offer conversion. And so if I can, if I can limp a little and go a little slower, figuring out conversion and audience, then add you know, gasoline on the fire when I'm ready to go faster with the use of money, hmm. then I'll decide whether it's my capital or someone else's. Hmm. So if I could take that and paraphrase it and correct me if I'm wrong, just to yeah. give a clear depiction, right? If I want to get from point A to point B, I know that I have to either jump the gap or I need to cross over or build a bridge, right? Yep. Now, I may not have the capital to build a concrete bridge. Maybe I'll bring ropes, Start yeah. with ropes, but you're starting from the from the from the basic necessities of getting from point A to point B, and then right. the ropes then expand out, and you make wood, and then wood expands out to metal and and concrete. So you're saying that that's pretty much what you did. You started off with the capital that you had, you started off with ropes, and you scale it to the platform that it currently is right now. Yeah, and maybe I didn't so speak have capital, but I kept it lean and mean. I learned from one of my mentors in marketing that you you you've got to be really careful that you know exactly what the customer wants. You're guessing. And so if you overbuild before you get into the customer's hands, you were going to find yourself spending a lot of money iterating something that otherwise you were guessing on. So get them the most minimal version you can get out of your hands and let the customer help you. And then you can refine audience and customer together. And that way I've learned to spend less money mm. developing out version one, two, and three of something. Mm. So pretty much staying away from like the feature creature, you know, that, that way you don't put all the bells and whistles in there. You want to start off with the, the, the bare necessities and then build from there based upon your audience feedback. Yeah. I mean, in, in some cases, since I'm a problem solution marketer, mm -hmm. I try to uh, build things for me. Mm -hmm. And so I always remember I'm probably one of our customers, mm -hmm. but that only gets us so far, right? I want to hear feedback yeah. from other ones. I'm just one of some. And so, you know, thankfully hundreds of clients later, they help validate a, 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 an offer and improve it. But early on, I think it, I think there are too many people looking to raise money first before mm -hmm. offer an, or an audience. Uh, you know, 42 cents of every dollar spent in the market is spending too much money acquiring a customer, either because the offer is wrong or the audience is wrong. Hmm. Hmm. So from, from start to, I mean, obviously a project is never finished. It's always growing. Yeah. How, how, quickly per se, and obviously I know the scope of work and, and there's systems sure. in place that you have to establish, but how quickly could someone from an idea create a prototype to say go to market for a particular product? And we're talking about software. Yeah, I mean, I think if you come at it from more of a managed service or solve a problem standpoint, mm -hmm. I think pretty quick, right? Mm -hmm. I think the feature development is what gets in the way. Mm -hmm. the, all the extra things you add on, but a very lean version. As a matter of fact, if you really wanted to get it from a customer standpoint, mm -hmm. I would, I'm, I believe in renting before buying. Mm -hmm. And so I like to try other people's stuff and use it and see if a customer sets there. So you know, in everything like outsourcing, I just believe in a theory of rent before buy. And so I think you'd be real lean using other uh, modalities to, to, to prove out your concept. Hmm. That's, that's really interesting. And I definitely appreciate you giving us some insight into that. So like 
on your experience, obviously you've been on the road for a period of time. You've had this journey, you've had your successes, but with every success, there's always like some negative side effect, right? So yeah. what's the worst experience that you've encountered on this journey? Uh, you know, I think some of my blind spots, probably the biggest mm -hmm. blind spot uh, was that I, I would have worked myself into the system unnecessarily because I would have, ha I, I'm battling always this hero complex mm -hmm. because I'm a quick start and I have good ideas. I would then would conclude that I'm the best one to solve all the problems. Mm -hmm. And so I'd bake myself into the system. Well, I did that in such one of our, we had this large web hosting company with lots of people on the team making lots of revenue. When I stepped away and became the chairman of the board, no longer the CEO, it exposed how many levers I was pulling. So I didn't really backfill correctly in that business because my arrogance and my blind spots got in the way because I, I, I literally was solving problems instead of really investing in helping other people who really are on our team, help them find their lane. I, I kind of put too many things in my lane. Yeah, I think that that's a gift and a curse. I mean, not just yeah. A-type personalities, but you have a vision, you have a goal, you have a product, and you know how you want all these components to work, to, to yeah. happen and to come to fruition. And then you have to obviously help get somebody else to help you on that journey because you can't do it all yourself. And on that journey, when somebody else is not doing exactly the way you would do it, we, put, we kind of step in at times. So yeah, I, I, tell you, I wrote a book about this, Chanel, and so I want to give away a gift here to our people here, uh, and they can find that gift at fullyaccountable.com forward slash boss uncaged, and they can get it in the show notes, the link, but I wrote a book called The CEO's Mindset, and I highly mm. encourage you to take advantage of this, everyone watching and listening, because I spoke about this specific subject about where I can be the lightning bolt in my own company where I come in and really disruptive. But at the same time, I'm, you know, I believe in, in being able to build something beyond your shadow takes people and process. Now, hopefully you're making profit along the way, but without those two things, people are, are, are an organization that's bigger than just you. And so I spoke directly about this subject about how you got to develop out people and then ultimately give them good process and help them make process so that the organization has some consistency and excellence to it. Hmm. Well, gosh, darn it. When you look at a couple of my ventures that I broke and I wrote a whole book about the breaking of that, that, that I would expose the lack of process and uh, really developing out people. Hmm. Definitely interesting. So, I mean, you're talking about processes and obviously you're a, you have a legal background. So, yep. In a business structure, we always hear about LLCs, S corps, C corps. Yep. Like, what what is your business? Which which one of these three, or is it a combination of multiples? Yeah. So, I mean, if you look at the whole structure, Deb and I, my wife, we own a family back office. So, we own a family limited partnership. Okay. In there, it's got limited partners. One of its limited partners would be, however, things are owned in our assets. My yeah. all of my assets that marshal under me, I have in a holdings company. That's one of the partners. Yeah. Uh, it's an asset of the partnership. But that holding company then owns interest in the things that I actively participated. One of those would be fully accountable. It itself is an LLC, but it's a multi-member LLC because I have two partners in it. Right, so it's, it's not a single member. It's got multiple members in it, and it's taxless. It's taxed like a partnership, not like a. You can make an election to tax it another way, but it's taxed like a partnership, uh, and ultimately, uh, there are three separate partners in that business. Hmm. So. Uh Talking about partnerships right now, we've had solopreneurs, entrepreneurs, 
So I'm asking you the question more so about partnerships because obviously that's the other half of the coin, right? Or multiple yeah. other coins and personalities and, and, and different ideas. So working on that table mindset of working at the Knights of the Round Table, how does yeah. that work? I mean, how do you kind of get to the same common accord when you're sitting in a room with somebody that may not agree with you? Um, that's a great question. So for the three of us at Fully Accountable, me, Chris, and Rachel, you know, even though I am the majority owner, we actually have a one vote, one person situation where there's three of us. And so two of the three of us are going to lead us in a direction. And so my job as the leader of our team and the leader of the three of us is to help us come to a good decision. Because one of the mistakes I made on early in partnership is I wanted workers in the system and I'd give them interest in things, but not treat them like a partner. And so they might look like one on equity paper, but they didn't act like one because they're never invited to act like one. It wasn't their fault. It was my fault. So now we try to practice active partnership. I probably have a really strong voice and I have a really strong opinion. And our job as executives are to fight about that, to criticize, to come up with through that process. Of course, hopefully there's some compassion in there, but come up with a good result together. And, you know, we don't always 100% agree a lot. Most of the time we do, but sometimes it's two out of three. And hey, you know, I'm sometimes the three. And with great maturity, I don't want to be completely doing everything. So I have to accept sometimes we head in directions that um, maybe it's not where I want us to go. But if I really care enough, I'll keep fighting. Hmm. Definitely interesting. So, I mean, just just talk about you a little bit more. I mean, obviously, I'm looking at, at your backdrop, and for those that are just listeners, on one half of you, you have Inc. 5000, and the other half, you have ClickFunnel planks, right? So, why don't you kind of tell us the story behind both of these sides behind you? Because obviously, one is 100% business, and the other one is 100% marketing. I'm a marketer. Let's be really clear. I actually have been trained in business as a, I was a corporate M&A attorney. I did tax as a specialty inside there. So, I helped small and medium-sized businesses run and operate and ultimately sell or liquidate. And I was a de- I'm was a deal lawyer at my core, which means I brought deal into everything I do. But my one of my mentors in the law, who was a partner of mine, I took to customer behavior very quickly. I'm creative. I, I think more about the customer. I don't like the nuts and bolts of marketing, like develop the funnel, put the pixel in place, da, da, da. but I like copy. I like things that like uh, involve consumer engagement and conversions. I just love that stuff. I can't get away from it. So we win awards for doing good marketing of driving customers to our product. And so we do the right thing. We eat our own dog food when it comes to marketing. Yeah. As it relates to the Inc. 5000, well, you know, we're at we're at the top of categories growing as quickly as we are. And that speaks to our irresistible offer, right? We have a good offer in the market. And in spite of whether or not we're good at marketing, in spite of whether or not we're doing great things in our sales department, the market is rewarding us with uh, excellent success and growth. Got you. Well, I definitely commend you, and I, I look forward to seeing what else you have up your sleeves as, as this conversation continues to move forward. Um, my, my next question is, so we always hear about the 20 years that it takes someone to become successful, but it's usually perceived to be an overnight success. How long have you been on your journey? It's been like 20 years, to be honest with you. Like mm-hmm. I, I look back to the start of my law practice, mm-hmm. which would have been in the year of 1999, Uh, is when I would have been a lawyer. So here I am on the other side of that 20 years. But I would tell you, if you go back two years ago, I firmly believe the the things that you develop, the wisdom that comes along with experience and knowledge, 
I, I, I'm never surprised when I see the stat that the most successful entrepreneurs are between 45 and 55. That doesn't mean young people can't be successful entrepreneurs. I'm just talking about the average of a people group. And I think wisdom and experience kick in. And I think you're along that thing. So I would say, you know, I'm, I'm probably acting in some of my best capacity as a leader right now that I've ever in all of my career. Well, so with that, I think it comes with the experience of knowing when to fold, when to stand up, when to listen versus talking. So to your point, I think it definitely comes with experience. Yeah, I think there's some at-bats. I think you learn to see a curveball, right? You don't just mm. naturally hit it. And um, I like baseball, so I'm always going to use baseball. I like all sports, but I'm a sports junkie. But I like baseball. And, you know, I was awful at hitting a curveball. I was a great fielder, had a good arm, couldn't hit a curveball. Never learned the art of hitting a curveball. And so that stopped my career in its tracks in high school. Mm. But I, I have learned to see what a curveball and a change up and, and, and what really bad things happen in business. And I'm thankful for a lot of that. And I'm, I'm thankful that my identity isn't placed in the success of it. It was for a long time. And I'm thankful to have realized that I was pegging my hope into the identity of success in business. And that's another thing I've learned along the way. And so I've, I've learned how to enjoy the ride more and being present instead of wishing I was in the future. Definitely interesting. So, I mean, just by the first time I meet you, I can kind of just, you know, you can correct me if I'm wrong. I just have a gut feeling that you're a big systems guy, right? Like, I think the balance out all the things that you have moving and all the components, you have to have systems in place to get to the level of achievement that, that where you are currently. So if this does stand true, what systems do you have in place to kind of help you in your day-to-day? -day? I have people in mm. place. These people have developed wonderful systems. I am... Mm. I'm about as all over the place as you can possibly get. I am aloof. I think of things. I, I will put people in front of process all the time. So even if I've got to get to something that I have to write copy for the marketing department, and there's a relationship element that needs me to be involved in people, I have a very high emotional equivalent. I will always dump a process for a person. What I'm thankful for is realizing that I need to be surrounded with people who care about process and they have put great systems in place. But as it relates to me, I've learned to put things like routine as a system in place. So I've got routines that protect parts of my time so I can be a great husband, a good leader at home, be dedicated in uh, working on my faith with fear and trembling, to be dedicated in leading our leaders in our uh, organization, as well as be there for my kids as their dad. So I, I've come to appreciate routine, and it's a system that allows me to perform in multiple capacities. Hmm. Hmm. That's definitely an interesting definition and approach. I definitely appreciate that. Um, so... You seem like you've you've always had the buzz, right? The hustle and at least the the ingenuity to know that you wanted to kind of be in this space to a certain yeah. extent. Yep. Do you come from an entrepreneurial background? Or any of your parents or anybody from your history that you grew up with? Are any of them hustlers or business people? No, I fall in that stat of someone who came from the other side of the tracks, mm. wanted to work his way out. For me, the early start was a big chip on my shoulder. Mm. Um, and it came from like, a lot of family destruction, a lot of shame, a lot of doubt, a lot of poverty mindset. We poverty and physicalness and as well as mental mindset, both of them. And so I, I wanted something different. 
And so I just set out to want something different. First person in my family to graduate from college, obviously first person in my family to go to post-secondary school and, and, and work at getting a doctorate in the law and move on from there. And so I wanted something different for my life than what the generational output was pushing. So I didn't come from a lot of that uh grounding and in, in, in business. Uh, it was, it was, it was first hustle for wanting something way different. Um, that's where it came from. So on this journey, right. Is there anything that you would want to go back and change if you could change it? Yeah. You know, I, there were a lot of hits to character and integrity because I would have put success in front of certain guardrails and I wasn't walking with the Lord at that time. And 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 so I would have looked back at parts of my past and see the brokenness of things I did for success. Not all of it was awful, but some of it was. And I would have brought some of those issues into my marriage. I would have brought those issues into my, now I think the consequences of your decisions follow you and you got to deal with them. And so I'm thankful to have continually work on those and reconcile and repent and deal with them. But uh, the reality is early on, I because I put success as the thing I wanted the most, I, I was uh, willing to cave on uh, things that maybe were other people's non-negotiables that weren't mine. Oh, oh. So, I mean, part of what you just said and what you said a few minutes ago, as, as far as routines, right? Yep. And you were talking about family life. How do you currently juggle your family life with your work life? I'll steal from the office every second I can for my family. I don't actually believe in the concept of balance. I believe in, you know, priority and perspective. Mm. I think you got to put priority to the things that require perspective. And there are times where I'm hammered inside our work environment and there's necessary things. And I would look with and use my words with my family and say, I need to be here doing this. And there are times where like, I just won't miss my kiddos volleyball game because I feel like I have to work. I'll just go work later. And so mm -hmm. I, I, I will work the fabric of work into my life and my core life is my wife and kiddos. Now that wasn't always true. I, I, I have plenty of times I can look back where Deb will show me a picture or stuff's going on. We just had one the other day where I was seeing a picture of little Jacob, our third born. And I was like, hey, was I there? Now, it, you can't make this stuff up. And so we're watching family movies and the picture that's the picture is now being played out in a video that we're watching. And there I am in the background while they're all singing birthday song mm -hmm. to Jacob. And I'm on the phone working on a business deal. Mm -hmm. And so I've learned through, you know, a really hard story and some other stuff where I've had to face that, that like I was putting my love of work and love of accomplishment ahead of my beloved. And I had to get right with that. And I have, and I continue to deal with it. I love businessman. Like I, he's just built me with some traits that I love it. I love the yeah. hustle of it. I don't love the hustle from like work as hard as you can, but I love the hustle of like accomplishing, making an offer work and watching revenue yeah. come in and helping people have a job. And I love it. I don't ever yeah. come to work like work sucks. I might yeah. come to work like, man, I'd rather lay in bed because I don't feel good about myself, but I don't really ever feel like that about work itself as a component. But I've had to learn how to get and see seasons of life yeah. through core lenses and perspective has helped me with that and prioritizing that has been such a blessing in my life. Hmm. Hmm. So what, what are your morning routines, your morning habits? I block out the morning for myself. Hmm. I even block it against my wife and kiddos. So morning is hmm. for me and, you know, it's filled with, you know, meditation, like med for me, meditating on the word, others might meditate on something else. Hmm. Uh, uh, exercise when I'm, doing that that's great 
quiet time, which is like maybe go for a walk or spend some time in nature, like thinking, you know, one of my favorite mentors from past is Henry Ford, who said critical thinking is hard to do, which is why few people do it. And so I've learned for me that getting rid of some noise so I can think and write and think about things. And that's one of the things I do for my family, for myself, for my organizations. And so I do that. Those are my mornings. And I block my mornings real hard uh, for at least three hours of that morning before I let myself get connected into the matrix. So what time do you usually wake up? Uh, Pre seven o'clock. Now, if I had pushed, I believe in eight hours of sleep. I would have loved to have known this sooner in my career. I've learned eight hours. Uh, earlier, I was like lucky if I got sub like six and whatever and going all over the place. Awful. Treated my body and mind like crap. Well, I believe in eight. So if I had to stay up later an evening before because I'm watching the Cleveland Browns get mercifully killed by whatever, then I'll just have to accept the pain. And then you know, find a way to maybe start my morning later. But since it's my morning, then I'll be, I'm not crunched against the matrix. I'm usually rarely dealing with someone else, but I'll fight for eight. And so that looks like go to bed before 11 and wake up before seven. Nice. Nice. So on this journey of creating this podcast, I mean, I always ask that question in my morning routines and I've always find out that either people are reading books or they're meditating or, or they're working out. And because I've realized that a lot of people that are successful like you are, they write books or they read books. Yeah. So because of that, I created a book club and I wanted you to make a, a recommendation. I mean, obviously you got your books. What books helped you on your journey and what yeah. books are you currently reading right now? Yeah, I love that. Good job. I used to have a book club and I think they're great. Good for you for doing that. So I'm a voracious reader. I love to read. Now for me, I want to be real. You want to read the best business book on the planet? Read the book of Proverbs. It's the best business book I know. Now I read the Bible every day and it helps me in business better than any book I've ever read. But for me, I follow Christ. And so for me, I see and hear some of the struggles and mysteries that go along with that. They may not be someone else's journey, but I also think of books in seasons. Like someone might recommend a book, but it's not the season I'm in. So if you're in a season where like you're developing out leadership, then we should talk to you about leadership books. If you're like early on trying to figure out marketing or trying to figure out yourself. So I have core books and categories. So when you're working on yourself, I think Viktor Frankl's Man's Search for Meaning is like one of those books that I've not only read once, I think I've read like five or six times. For me, I've read, you know, C.S. Lewis's Screwtape Letters because it helps me deal with the concept of mediocrity. I absolutely love um, books in those categories, right? So, you know, Breakthrough Advertising, uh, Eugene Swartz. I think uh, Phil Knight's Shoe Dog speaks to leadership at this like big enterprise level. So to me, I would encourage people to look at your book club and understand what season they're in and try not to absorb everything. Try to absorb within the season you're in. Yeah, I think that, that that's, that's great insight and great advice. I mean, to your point, somebody could be an executive CEO that's retiring and wanting to start to become an entrepreneur, which is essentially two different things if you think about it. So yeah. on that journey, you have to present them with that material that they need to kind of help them get to the next level. So I definitely- Yeah, that's what I did. Like I read this book, Halftime, right? By Bob Buford, mm-hmm. which talked about, we spend the first half of our life trying to gain mm-hmm. success. And we spend the second half of our life trying to be significant. Mm-hmm. And 
I, I really woke me up to this. I'm in that stage. I'm the older guy, right? So I'm not like the, I'm like the king really turning sage in most of the rooms I'm in, including the environment where I help people. So I'm really working on legacy. So stuff I'm reading now is about like, leadership development like always be learning from me but always be like equipping uh, the people around me so mine's got to look like slow to speak quick to listen stuff and not hmm. necessarily tactical i love tactical stuff but i've learned to reread the books as opposed to continually finding new ones hmm. yeah i definitely appreciate that um so where do you see yourself in 20 years from now hopefully alive no uh yeah like uh you know each day I, I've passing time, I've, oh, I've learned that I get paid for my mind, not my physical hands, not my looks. Mm -hmm. So I get paid for my mind. And I'm thankful I set out to have a career where I get paid for my mind. Mm -hmm. I see us, uh, I think Deb and I will continually actively invest in businesses. They'll sell, some will sell, sell some will stay within our portfolio. I see us doing more of that. I see it to the point where I've built businesses that I don't, actually have to show up to work every day i want mm -hmm. to so i'm thankful for the young age i have that now so i see more of that actually hmm. definitely interesting and it's it's a hell of inspiring as well too because i mean there's a lot of people out there that may hear your story and you just spark that light that they needed to continue and in 20 years from now they'll be knocking on your door saying thank you so cool. i mean I, yeah definitely so going into like your final words of um wisdom right if i am 30 years old and yeah. I, I'm listening to you and I'm hearing all this stuff and I see your energy level and I'm like, dude, like I love this guy. I want to follow his footsteps. What words of insight would you get to me? You know, I so early on caught onto a word professional, being a professional. I loved that word. I embraced it going through law school and then passing the bar and in my law practice, the concept of being a craftsman, is because everything is so immediate, it's kind of lost on people now. And I'd say that if we could spend time as in, in the stage, whatever stage, developing being a craftsman in something, no matter what that something is, and we can embrace learning how to be a professional as a craftsman, I think you'll enjoy what you're doing. Take an interest. Take something that lines up with your traits and your interests and your desires and go put work into it. Don't go chase something I think is a deception on the world right now about passion. You bring passion into things. Over time, you develop a passion to something. It doesn't exist by itself. So we could, like people are chasing an elusive thing that doesn't exist. It's kind of something internal. And people are like, Vinny, you're a really passionate guy. I'm like, yeah, I bring it into something. I might over time feel more passionate about what it is we're doing, but I didn't start out that way. I developed a craftsmanship and, a, and, and I keep working at it. And over time, gosh darn it, it looks like expertise. Definitely, definitely. I definitely appreciate that. So, you know, another, another insightful thing that you can drop on us. I mean, what, what software do you currently use that you would not be able to do what you do without? Well, for sure. Our company uses, you know, general ledger software. We also mm -hmm. build a thing called your back office. So the company mm -hmm. uses our fintech. For me, uh, I'll be honest with you, because I, I, I'm mobile and where I can do my work, mm -hmm. I don't know what I would do 
without the mobile device. But honestly, you're also on one. I use Zoom. Our company's been using it. We we believe in a hybrid model. We have a corporate office, but we also have our homies. Two thirds of our team live in other parts of the country. And so anything that requires video, I, I couldn't imagine now wanting to do business without Google Drive or video. And those two things have are huge for the flexibility for me to be able to do work from anywhere. Hmm. Great. So how can people find you? I mean, like Facebook, Instagram, your website. Yeah, I'm Vinny Fisher anything. VinnyFisher.com at Vinny Fisher, uh, Instagram, Twitter, uh, Facebook, uh, Vinny Fisher, right? V-I-N-N-I-E Fisher. You can also find us at FullyAccountable.com. Connect what we have. The best way to do that is through the gift page we're giving you of all the stuff. Take advantage of those resources. Even if you're not wanting to outsource the function of your back office, we have a lot of resources there for you. They're going to help you massively win at maturing your business. And so Go get that in the show notes. And that's a great way to find us and find out more about us. Great, great. So going into the, the bonus round, right? If you could be a superhero, who would it be and why? Spider-Man. And I'm Spidey, right? Like I kind of, um, I'm that aloof kind of character who mm. like gets caught in situations and has mm. to kind of scramble his way out of it. I mm. uh, resonate with the, I, his, I, I like the youthfulness and mm-hmm. the kindness of his heart on how he just cares. And at the same time, he wants to fight for good, but gets himself caught in a whole bunch of his own issues mm-hmm. uh, and has a bunch of his own character uh, traits that lead him into situations that aren't so mm-hmm. good all the time and just wants to be loved, right? I'm Spidey in all the scenarios. And so um, that, that's, that's, my, that's my character. Hmm. Nice. So... If you could spend 24 hours with anyone, dead or alive, uninterrupted for those 24 hours, who would it be and why? You know, I, 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 I've been asked this question sometimes. Hands down, mm-hmm. number one, if I could spend time with Jesus, like that would mm-hmm. be, and I do now, and I believe that, mm-hmm. but I actually, the physical aspect of him sitting there where I could maybe have that, but the quite honestly is I believe I do that now. So if I add a layer on top of that, Quite honestly, because of innovation and changing, mm-hmm. I would absolutely love to spend a day with Henry Ford. I would love mm-hmm. to see the pressure that he had because he believed in a lean organization. He believed in some of the things I inherently believe in and how to run something. So I would have loved to have seen him face the social pressures of changing stuff where people were resistant to that change and how he ultimately built into the organization of people who were running stuff while still struggling with all the flaws of a husband and man that he was. Hmm. It's definitely something to think about. I mean, it's Henry Ford is one of those people that, you know, I think people know who he is, but they really don't know what he really achieved. When you really stop and think about his legacy, I don't think we would be where we are with, Elon Musk, for example, wouldn't probably be as far along as he is right now if it wasn't for Ford to begin with. Yeah, and if you think of those titans that he ran around Mm -hmm. with, whether in competition or at the Mm -hmm. time, the Industrial Revolution titans, Mm -hmm. some of those wonderful, unique characters in the Mm -hmm. history of our American footprint, uh, there's a bunch there in business enterprise. You know, and then also, like, I I just recently started to kind of fall a little bit in love with Abraham Lincoln. The guy was ridiculously principled. His mm. his level for justice and his character traits. Uh, I'm I'm just now investigating more about him. To be honest with you. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. 
So this is coming down to like the end of the podcast when, you know, obviously we had a lot of conversation and then we talked about a lot of different topics on that journey. Maybe you've had some questions that you wanted to ask me. So the microphone is yours. You know, we have a unique time going on in our culture right now, right? Mm -hmm. We're being asked as leaders to have all the right answers. Mm -hmm. One of the things that's been robbed of us is routine. So how are you dealing with like being able to lead the people that are around you? But like every day there's, we're because we're getting dictated routine we have to kind of make it up as we go and that's been quite hard for me how are you dealing with that i keep kind of like in a sense i keep creating new principles so prime example the book club was an additional thing for me to read right i was reading already but now with a system of me reading and i'm reading with other people and now i'm holding myself accountable and holding other people accountable to reading 52 books you know, one book per week for a year. So creating things like that, this podcast is another way for me to kind of stay on a regimen. I know every single week I have an audience that's going to be dedicated to see this an episode. So I have to make sure every week this is scheduled to hit that deadline. So I'm taking like little pieces of the puzzle and I'm making a breadcrumb trail. I love that. You know, I tell a story about uh, a character in scripture, Nehemiah, and he was, mm. he had to build the entire wall around Jerusalem mm. and he encouraged his men just to worry about the wall that was in front of each of them. And they built it in 54 days. And so I, what I love from what you just said is just worry about the bricks right in front of you. The other ones will figure themselves out. And I love that. How do you stay focused in all that? For me, it's, it's the, the end result. It's kind of like if I say I'm going to do something, one, I'm going to commit to doing it. I want to see it get completed much like what you said earlier like you know you like to try things right but i like to try things but i want to you know i don't i just don't want to try and then half-ass it i want to try and at least complete it enough start ugly with it to kind of see what it's going to do so whatever i start i'm going to finish and put it out there to the world see what happens if it fails then great i've learned something from it and then i move on to the next awesome so how do you how do you figure out how to break away from from the development of stuff things uh, and investing time back in your crew. So with me, with that one, is like my crew is kind of diversified. Like I got people in the U.S. and I got people overseas as well. So a lot of times everybody is remote. Yeah. So having an opportunity to speak to everybody at the same time is not really what my system is about. It's more so giving people ownership of their tasks. Nice. So if I say, hey, if your task is this and this is the time frame to do it, if you need my help, contact me. If you don't need anything from me, do you know what you need to work on? And then at the end of the week or the end of the day, whatever the time frame was, then we'll touch bases. But I, I'm not really a um, thumb on a back kind of leader. Yeah. I'm kind of like, you know what your task is and I expect it to get done. You expect it to get done because you have ownership of it. And then collectively we will grow something together if everybody does what they need to do. Uh, probably my last question mm -hmm. is how do you um, have fun in it? I love it. I mean, it, it's it's funny because like my son, he was raised in this environment. So now he's about to be 15. And since he was like three years old, he was at meetings and conferences and seminars always there with me. And so now he's at the teenage age it was kind of like dad, but not dad. And then recently it was kind of like it made my day because he reached out to me. And I've been telling him for the past six years, dude, like your brain and the way you're structured like you should be in investment. You should be in stocks. Just play with them. It's like a video game. It's online. And finally he came to me and he was like, okay, I'm ready to convert my bank account into a regular bank account. I want to fund the account. And I'm sitting there like, I'm looking for the cameras. I thought it was a joke. 
hmm. and, and come to come to fruition. Now he wants to, he started his little Robin Hood account and he wants to fund the account and he's going to start making investments. And I was like, holy shit, it actually happened. <laughs> yeah, I, I love to see that. That is, thanks for sharing that. I love watching the, the young adults around me uh, start to find some identity and thrive in it. Yep, yep definitely. Well, Vinny, I, I definitely appreciate your time. I think, man, this was like a fast-paced, hard-hitting episode. I think you dropped a lot of nuggets, a lot of diamonds, and I definitely think our audience would definitely want to shake your hand if they ever get an opportunity to meet you, along with myself as well, and we look forward to, to getting our hands on your books. And again, thank you very much. Uh, you know, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. <laughs> Pleasure. S.A. Grant, over and out. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Boss Uncaged. I hope you got some helpful insight and clarity to the diverse approach on your journey to becoming an Uncaged Trailblazer. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, review, and share the podcast. If this podcast has helped you or you have any additional questions, reach out and let me know. Email me at ask at sagrant.com or drop me your thoughts via a call or text at 762 762- 233-BOSS. That's 762-233-2677. I would love to hear from you. Remember, to become a boss in cage, you have to release your inner beast. S.A. Grant, signing off. Listeners of Boss on Cage are invited to download a free copy of our host, S.A. Grant's insightful ebook, Become an Uncaged Trailblazer. Learn how to release your primal success in 15 minutes a day. Download now at www.bossuncaged.com forward slash free book.